it's very cold in Minnesota where, where we left, and I thank the Lord that he took us out of there at this time of the year. But it's good to be here, and we look forward to ministering to you. I pray, my deepest prayer is that as we get to know you, that, that you come to know us as well. We're from, we're from the United States. We're moving into a place with new language, new culture, new everything. And so what we would ask is, would you please allow us to have some grace as we, as we get to know you? I may not remember your name the first time or the second time or the third time, but, but please, we are very approachable. My wife, I'm going to embarrass you, Beck, but I'm going to have you stand because uh, some of you may not have been here the first time. This is my wife, Becca. People put up with me because of her. Uh, they, they, they love her, and uh, it is just a joy. I haven't preached for seven weeks, so buckle your seatbelts. It's, uh, it's been a few weeks since I, I haven't had a chance to preach, and I'm, gonna, I'm on a kind of a short leash this morning, so I'm going to be watching the time pretty close, but we're going to look at over the next three weeks. I'm going to be doing a series called Followers, and here's the deal. We come into church on a Sunday morning, but is that where it ends? You know, God never gave anybody the gift of bench warming. The place where my spiritual gift is coming to church and just sitting down. It didn't happen. God has blessed His church. Get this. God has blessed His church with every single gift that He needed to build this church. Every single gift that God wants to use to build this church is already here. And what God is calling for is not attenders. What God is calling for is followers. What does it mean to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that's what Jesus is doing. As you look at your Bibles, I don't have a, a PowerPoint up here this morning. I'm going to ask you to do it the old-fashioned way. You have an iPad, you have an iPhone. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 5. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be seeing Jesus in different times in His ministry. Jesus had three years of ministry in this earth. We call that first year the year of preparation, the second year is the year of popularity, and the third year is the year of passion, or the year that we look at the cross. And the way that you know where Jesus is in that year is you follow John the Baptist. When Jesus is baptized, that is the beginning of his year of preparation. When John the Baptist is put into prison, that's the start of Jesus' year of popularity. When, Jesus, when John the Baptist is beheaded, that's the start of Jesus' year of passion, the year that he's moving towards the cross. Where we pick Jesus up in Luke chapter 5 is at the beginning, is at the very beginning of his, of his uh, second year of ministry, his year of popularity. That first answer there to your question, some of you like to write in the blanks, he's in the area of Capernaum. It's the very northern end of the Sea of Galilee. That's who's going to be his kind of center of ministry in that year of popularity. I mean, he is extremely popular. You pick up some of this as, as the people remark, as they listen to his words, it's that he speaks with authority and with, and with power. Well, what, what have they been hearing for all of those years? It's interesting. As you go back to the prophet Amos, one of the things that God prophesied there was that there would be a famine. But not a famine of food, a famine for hearing the word of God. 400 years of silence has been there, no prophet has spoken. And now Jesus comes onto the scene, and the people, as they hear Jesus' words, it is like, it is like water soaking into a sponge. They can't get enough of Jesus. This is the backdrop. And when we find Jesus, let's just get the picture here. Verse 1 says, One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the Sea of Galilee. 
with the, with the people crowding around him, listening to the word of God. There is such a hunger in their hearts for the word of God. Let me ask that question right now. When was the last time that you really, really looked forward to diving into God's word? Has it been a while? Maybe you've got to ask yourself the question, why? Why is it that I'm not hungry for God's word? I mean, there is a hunger here. They couldn't get enough. And as they're crowding around Jesus, Jesus does something that, okay, I come from Minnesota, from the, in the United States, and Minnesota is known as the land of 10,000 lakes. Where we lived, in the, in the county where we lived, there were over 360 lakes. The county that the Pickers lived in was over 1,000 lakes. Everywhere you go, there's lakes. And so this really makes sense to, to people from Minnesota. But for some of us here from Hong Kong and, and other places, there's some stuff in here that really doesn't make a lot of sense. Jesus is ministering, and the people are crowded around him. And what does he do? He gets into a boat and pushes out just a little ways out from the shore and begins to teach. Why? When we, when we are in Minnesota at night, many times the lakes get very, very calm. And there may be somebody, I'm serious, a long, long ways away fishing. And they're talking in their boat. You can hear everything that they're saying because the water amplifies the sound. This is exactly what Jesus is doing here. He steps off of the side of the, of the shore and gets into the boat of Simon Peter. And he begins to teach. And he's teaching the crowds. But here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. Jesus is, is developing his followers, isn't he? This isn't the first time that he's met Peter, James, John, and Andrew. This isn't the first time. You want to see the first time that he meets him? You go back to John chapter 1. That's where Jesus meets him. This is now the second year. But this is the time where Jesus is going to make his call, especially onto Peter. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the disciples and what Jesus is doing and how he's training them. But especially, Jesus seems to hone in on Peter. Why? Because when Jesus leaves, who rises to the top as the leader of the church? It's Peter. Do you realize that right now, right in the midst of whatever it is that you are doing, God is preparing you for what it is that he's doing in your life. And he's preparing Peter here. And he's going to take Peter on a little adventure here. He steps out and he says to him, he, he, saw, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. They fished all night, they fished at night. And they were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats that belonged to Simon and asked him, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. You know, isn't that interesting? Don't, when, when you're reading God's word, don't run over the top of little phrases. He asked him to do something pretty simple, wasn't it? What did he ask him? Peter, can I use your boat for a little bit? Peter, can you just push me out? Just, a, just, just something simple. And isn't that where God often starts with us? God often starts, he doesn't say, okay, I want you to teach a Sunday school class. God doesn't often start by saying, I want you to do something huge. Where he starts many times is with those things that we're already interested in. And he often starts with, hey, could you do this for me? And what does Peter do? He, yeah, I, I can do that. that that's a simple one. I, I can do this. But it's interesting. God loves us so much. And he loves his kingdom and his glory so much and wants to involve us in that so much that rarely is he ever willing for it to just stay at that little thing. 
has God been touching you on the shoulder? Has he been tapping your heart about something that he wants you to become more involved with? You, you've been doing something over here. You've been doing it for a long time. But you've been, God's been tapping you on the shoulder about something else. And you've been saying, okay, okay, I, I, I can do this little thing. God oftentimes doesn't want us to just stay at the, that, that's the entry point. And God, a follower, what does it mean to be a follower? It's interesting. Because he goes on now. And, and he says to Peter, he, he, he says, when he finished speaking, verse 4, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. I wonder what Peter thought. Who's this guy? He's a carpenter. We're fishermen. You don't fish during the day. When they fished in the Sea of Galilee, they fished at night. They used lights. The lights attracted the fish to them. They threw their nets out. And that's how they caught them. You don't fish during the day, Jesus. But he doesn't say this, does he? But I wonder if he thought that in his head. There are times where you've sensed God asking you to do something that's like, okay, that makes no sense at all. Go to, go to Hong Kong, leave your children, leave your family, leave your grandchildren, sell everything, and come to Hong Kong with four bags? Seriously? You can't be serious, God. What does it mean to be a follower of God? You cannot stay where you are and follow God. When God calls, you cannot stay where you are and join him. It involves obedience, doesn't it? So what does Peter do? Peter, he must probably thought that in his heart. He thought, okay, we get his answer. Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we'll let down our nets. Because you say so. I mean, it's like, well, we're, we're, we're tired. Man, we haven't gotten anything. I mean, we, we, we have nothing all night. Nothing to show. Okay. Okay. Because you say so. You ever done that? Maybe your wife asks you to do something and you don't want to do it. It's like, okay, all right, all right, all right, we'll do it. And I wonder if that isn't... I could be dead wrong on that. But I wonder. Peter's tired. I mean, he's been working hard all night and he's got nothing to show for it. You know, when we go out fishing in, in Minnesota, I mean, sometimes you'd be out there, you'd be fishing, and the wind is blowing in your face all day, and you come back, and you, your wind burnt, your sun burnt, and you come back, and, and your wife asks you, oh, well, well, what'd you get? I have nothing. Enough, I have nothing to show for it. And then when you get there, then you get there, you're hungry, and you get vegetable soup instead of meat or something like that. And there's something about fishing and getting nothing. Peter's tired. He got nothing. But because you say so, what is it that God right now is asking of you? What is it that right now God is asking of you that he would have you to do? And you're saying at this point, I don't know. Delayed obedience is called what? It's called disobedience. When is the time that God calls me to obey? It's when he speaks. And where do you hear God speak to your heart? 
Joyce work. So, can we honestly be hearing from God or are we not spending time with God? It's kind of tough, isn't it? Because you say so. Well, there's a huge thing. You know, one of those first qualities that we talk about, what does it mean to be a follower? Is willingness. The willingness to be obedient, the willingness to say that when God says, this is what I desire, that we do it. And for some of us right now, we are in, in a place where God has been speaking to us, and we've been kind of holding him at, at arm's length. Maybe God has been speaking to you about an attitude. There's someone in your life, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your wife, your husband, your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, and God has been saying, I want you to reconcile that relationship. And you've been saying, not in my lifetime, Lord. Or that's not really what I want to do. Maybe for some of you, God has been saying, I would love for you to share with your neighbor, to just kindly share with your neighbor, talk to your neighbor, just be kind to them, introduce yourself to them. Just something simple. This is what I would like you to do. There are all kinds of things that God calls us to. The question is, are we willing? Are we willing to do what it is that God is asking us to? To be a follower involves willingness. Now, do the things that God calls us to do, do they always make sense? Rarely. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 says what? My ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He's God, isn't he? He has the right. When you prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you gave up the rights of your life. He bought you. He paid for you. He did everything that was needed for you to have a relationship. The only thing on our part was to receive that gift. He has the right in our lives to say, this is what I would like you to do. This is what I would ask you to do here. And for Peter, did that make any sense? We know what's going to happen, don't we, with Peter? We, 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 you know, we, we read ahead. We know what's going to happen. We know he's going to throw the nets out and there's going to be this amazing catch of fish. But Peter didn't know that. It isn't until you move in obedience to what it is that God is asking you to do that you will get to see what it is and how it is that God can work. I don't think Peter ever had another... Oh, maybe he did. He had one more catch of fish a little later on in his life. But I don't think up until this point he had ever seen a catch of fish like this. And especially not during the daytime. And what does he do? That first quality that God is looking for is, is willingness. That second one. Watch what happens here. It says, once, uh, uh, verse 6, When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now here's a huge thing. Boy, if you're asleep, this is a good time to wake up. This is a huge statement. Never underestimate how your obedience will affect those that are around you. Dads, 
Never underestimate how your obedience to God and your willingness to be a man of God will have an effect on your sons. Moms, never underestimate how your obedience to God and to what it is that He desires, how it will have an effect on your daughters. When Peter is obedient, he not only sees what God can do, but his partners can see. And, and you know, there's, there's an interesting little, little caveat here. I've got a couple of ten minutes left. But there's a little caveat here. Jesus is interested not only in showing Peter who he is. There's a practical side to this, isn't there? Think about this. What does Peter do for a living? He's a fisherman. If he catches no fish, he has no food, he has no money. And Jesus, there's a very practical side of this as well as he takes him out. Last, I'm sure my days are all screwed up, last Tuesday, we're getting ready to leave my daughter's house and drive down to the city where we were going to get ready to fly out to come here on Wednesday. And we, we sold, we gave, we gave our, our one car to our daughter. There's one key to that car. So we're moving her car out of her garage. It is a piece of junk. Just, it was like, just get this thing out of the garage and we're going to put the other car, the new, the new van to her, into the garage. And so I had taken the, the old car and I put it into a different shed and I went to, went to get the van and I couldn't find the key. And the last I thought, Becca had opened up the car in, in the house. And so I went back in the house and I said, do you have the key for the car? I can't find it anywhere. We went through everything. The garbage can. We had just vacuumed the floor, you know, one of those kind of, and there was dust in there. We had to take everything out of the garbage can. Nothing. There's dust all over us. We're dirty. It's like, and we're praying the whole time, God, we have one key. My son-in-law was coming in an hour to drive us to the place where we were to go. God, we don't have anything else. We went out. I went out to my daughter's old car, and I looked, and I looked. I got down on the ground, and I'm looking around. Couldn't find it. Three times I went out to the car and didn't find it. Fourth time I went out there, I said, God, please. I don't know where else it could be. I got down on my knees. I moved the seat, and it was a little piece of paper. And all, right in front of a little piece of paper, I could see just a little bit of silver. There was the key. It had dropped out of my pocket into the side. And I was like, who did that? And I was just a little thing. But is God concerned about little things in our lives too? Because sometimes we think, hey, it's just the, the huge things. Hey, does God care when your baby's crying all night and you're at your wit's end? And it's like, what do I have to do? Does God care about that? Does God care when we're walking through things with our health? Does God care about that bill that you don't know how to pay? Does God care about your relationship with, your, with the people that you work for? Does God care? More than what we will ever know. And it is when we walk in those steps of obedience that God not only shows us who He is in those huge ways, but He shows us in the everyday things. I am a God who can be trusted. And as Peter sees what God does, when that, when that bunch of fish hits the bottom of the boat, Peter realizes what? What does he say? Look what he says here. He says, then, then G- ah. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. 
I think he knew in his heart, I'm only doing this because you said so. And he realized, there's a second quality, because Peter does something when he falls on his knees. And there's a second quality of a follower of Christ. It's not only willingness, the second quality is humility. As I come here as your pastor, I don't come thinking, all right, well, it's about time. Now we're going to have a good pastor here. I'm just like you. And I make mistakes, and I'm going to make a mistake. There'll probably be a time where I may offend one or two of you. But I come here saying, God, I just want to serve your people. I just want to shepherd your people. I just want to love your people. Because, God, I know that without you, your word says that in my flesh there dwells no good thing. Your word says that apart from you, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeks after God. God, I wouldn't even sought you out. If it were not for you and for your grace and for your mercy coming and pursuing me, I wouldn't have sought you out. Lord, I come as your servant. And as we serve in ministry, it is with the humility of our hearts. Why? Because it is an honor to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is an honor. And when he says to us, would you do this for me? You know, if somebody comes up to you and asks, hey, would, would you do this for me? There are times where I say, oh man, I got this going on and I have that going on. I really don't have the time. Really? We have time for what's important. We have time for what's important. And if Jesus were to ask us, if he were to come and if he were to put his arm around you and say, I, I need you. Would, would you help me with this? We would drop everything. We would move heaven and earth to join Jesus in what it is that he's asking of us. Okay. So what is he asking? Some of your heads just went down. Hey, hang with me. What is it that God is asking of you? Are you willing to join him? Are you doing it with a humble heart? As you, as you minister here at AIC, how's your heart? It's, because sometimes when we minister and, and we start getting upset, hey, nobody's showing up to my small group or nobody's helping, I'm the only one out here who's doing this. Oftentimes when we revert to those attitudes, it's why. Because who's it all about? It becomes more about me rather than being about God. And as we serve, how are you serving? Is it with humility? Is it with glory being given to him? In Psalms, we read this. It says, it is not for us, O Lord, it is not for us, but it is for your glory. God says in his word, I will not share my glory with another. That second quality of a follower is humility. That first quality was a willingness. Third one, here it comes. He goes on to Peter, and he says to Peter, oh, here's the call. Then Jesus says to Simon Peter, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. Left everything. And it's not just Peter. It was Peter and Andrew and James and John. And you read the other Gospels. And well, what else did they leave? They left their father, and they left the other men that worked with them. Why does he say, do not be afraid? Because sometimes, don't we come back with a retort to God and say, but God, if, 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 if I do this, 
then, then who's going to take care of my grandchildren? God, if I go to Hong Kong and be the pastor there, who's going to watch over my grandchildren? Who's going to take care of my kids? We have people who said to us before I left, okay, I can understand your heart, but how can you do this? It's only because of God. And Beck and I have cried many times because we've had to say, Lord, we are willing to follow you. A number of years ago, I was a 20-something slouching in the back row of an Alliance Church in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and we had a missionary come there. His name was Fred Rule. He was just retiring from Taiwan. Earlier in that week, I was working at a hardware store. In, I was 20 years old. I was working at a hardware store making $2.35 an hour. This was 1982. That was nothing. I was going nowhere in my life and going fast. My pastor's wife, she came up to me and she doinked me in the chest and she said, Joel, when are you going to do with your life what God wants you to do? He has laid his hand on your life and you are running away from him. I couldn't say anything to her because she was the pastor's wife and she was a pretty forceful lady. But she was right. And that night, the, earlier in the, later in the week, there was a missions conference at our church. And my dad said to me, all right, we're going to missions conference. And I said, go ahead. And he said, no, no, no. He said, you live in my house. I don't care how old you are. You come to missions conference. So I said, okay, fine. I am the missions conference. I said, all the way in the back. And I slouched down. So, and the whole time, this missionary felt real. He stared at me. And he preached right at me. I didn't hear a thing that he said. Until the end. And he said, young people, tonight do you understand that, and he gave a number like 2,000. He said, tonight in Taiwan, he said, 2,000 people will die and go into a crisis eternity. He said, the travesty of it all is this. He said, of that 2,000, 1,900 will go into a crisis eternity, never once hearing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, and what are you doing about it? He said, are you running away from God? And I was like, okay, God, you got my attention. And I was. And that night I said to God, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. I will be who you want me to be. Never thinking that then 30 years down the road later, that his call would be to leave everything and to follow him. Trust. Is God enough? Is God able to care for us? For Peter, it was leaving everything. Just go over the next page and you see Levi, Matthew. Jesus comes to him and says the same very words, follow me. He left everything and followed him. You cannot stay where you are and follow God where it is that he's leading. A follower of Christ is one who is willing to do what God calls. A follower of Christ is one who is humble. A follower of God is one who trusts. My time is gone. But as I, I leave you this morning, what is God? How has God spoken to your heart this morning? Only you know. Are there those things that God has been speaking to you about? Maybe it involves a hunger for God's word. You've been hungry for everything. You've got to get a phone out. You're looking at the phone and everything else. But when was the last time that there was a hunger for God's word? Can we ask him of that and say, God, would you restore? Would you restore the joy of your word again to my heart? Maybe God has been speaking to you about joining him 
and there is something that he has been speaking to your heart about, and at this point you've been holding him at arm's length. And rather than holding him at arm's length, why don't you embrace what it is that he's asking? But God, if, 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 if I do that, then, then what's going to happen over here? You know what? He never tells you how it is that he's going to do it. He simply holds out his hand and says, follow me. They left everything, and they followed him. Father, thanks again for the word this morning. I pray that, God, as we have heard your word, that you will feed us deeply from it. For some, Lord, we needed that word of encouragement. That you, Lord God, is interested in the little things as well as the big things. For some of us, Lord, we needed to hear that our obedience has an effect not only on our relationship with you, but on the relationship of those around us as well. Lord, you've called us here to AIC, but you've not called us here to lord that over anyone here. You've called us here to be a servant. And Father, as we begin ministry here, I pray that God, your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. I pray that, Lord, you pour out your spirit upon this precious body of believers. And that as you speak, that God, we will say yes to what it is that you are calling. That as you speak, that we will become a church of followers. Lord, do in our midst what only your hand can do and bring glory to your name and to your name alone. And I pray this and I ask all this, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Please stand with us.